The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast brought to you by FanDuel. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Big thanks to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. We appreciate the song Lion Kings, uh, the intro that you heard on this podcast. James, you have a new farm futures up uh, entitled Anticipating Call Updates. Always a great feature where you kind of try to pinpoint a realistic date for all of the game's top prospects. We're not really going to be focusing on that. We're actually going to be jumping back to your February 27th article just to round out your divisional previews. AL West, 82 prospects you need to know. Uh, but first, jumping back ahead a little bit uh, and talking about one player that you didn't mention in your Farm Futures, your latest Farm Futures, but he is actually in the AL West, is Willie Calhoun sent down... I was a little surprised. I wasn't as high as, uh, on him as some others, but I did expect him to play most of the year at the big league level. Where do you project him? Uh, when do you project him to come up? I didn't 
go back and do the exact math on it, but it, it should be early May, like that first week of May. Uh, I didn't really see this move coming. I guess I, di- I didn't really do perhaps as deep of a dive on Calhoun as I should have just because like I, I know the skills and I just assumed the fact that they called him up last year, they don't really have a, a good option there right now. And he's not a guy that's going to add value with his glove. I just assumed the Rangers were going to be fine with only getting him for the next six years, but uh, they're going to go ahead and, I mean, they're not going to be really competing this year, so I, I totally get it. Uh, just weird so- to give him that cup of coffee last year then though yeah that's kind of a weird it's sort of a trend though i mean like you, you saw like that happened with austin hayes basically that that happened with a guy like alex verdugo it's it's not it's kind of becoming a thing that i think teams are more comfortable doing getting some some quick data on a guy over over three or four weeks in september then sending him back down again the next season and and calling him up in mid-may uh you know, I think you, you obviously aren't going to get quite the same amount of counting stats as you would have otherwise. Uh, but I still think he's going to have value in 15 team leagues. I just think that people probably, the, the people that have the most shares of Calhoun probably got a little too aggressive on it. Yeah, I think that steamer projection really sold a lot of people on Calhoun. And that, it was interesting because steamer usually is so conservative with those young guys. Uh, but if you dial back the playing time, still a pretty nice target late but if you're looking at him in like 225 250 range still i think that's a big mistake don't don't jump that guy up just based off adp but james we also had our staff keeper two staff keeper league two auction and draft on monday night i appreciate you hosting uh john mckechnie and i that was a good time aside from the issues with the settings which i had to deal with late Really uh, got my blood pressure up. Had to huff some dirts just to <laughs> calm the nerves a little bit, which I haven't been doing lately. But I had to had to go back to that well uh, with the stress level pretty high. But any thoughts generally on the the staff keeper two auction? Uh, it was it was a blast. Uh, you know, I went into it with a lot of reserve round picks and used more of those on big leaguers than i typically do typically kind of load up on all the best available prospects early uh was i was picking second you bought luis robert in the auction which i had i was kind of hoping did not happen because i thought there was a chance the guy picking first might take luis robert if he was there he was not there so he took royce lewis who was the guy i was sort of unrealistically dreaming on at, at pick number two but yeah that didn't come to pass i was able to get estevan floriel with my number two uh reserve pick you know he's he's a guy i like because i the upside's obvious but he's not i wouldn't say he's like one of my guys necessarily so it wasn't that satisfactory of a of a pick i just think that there's there's probably going to be some struggles this year. I think that he's going to go through uh, some more developmental bumps against upper level pitching. So might not be the most appealing trade chip if I'm looking to move a prospect in like May or June, but I still think he's a guy that finishes 2018 as a top 30 or top 20 prospect overall. So it was, it was an okay consolation prize, but I really, really wish I could have gotten another share of Royce Lewis. Wasn't there a, another player you were considering with that pick? 
even knowing that those guys were gone. I forget. Yeah, who. I uh, I almost took uh, Teoscar Hernandez there, hmm. but I ended up being able to get him later. Uh, just he he was one of the better high upside, close to big league ready pieces available, and and I had taken Kevin Pilar and in the auction. So I wouldn't have minded kind of backing him up with, with Hernandez, who is obviously kind of a stack cast darling. Wasn't, wasn't ever really ranked as a top 50 prospect by, by anyone, but, uh, the power's legit. He's got above average speed to go with it. So, uh, in a, in a 17 team league with, uh, what do we have? 40 man rosters. That's, he's a guy that I, I think, could have gotten in the auction so i i was i wasn't seriously considering it i mean you you really in leagues like this you can't let those top 25 top 30 prospects go when you have a shot at them because that's how you build sustainable winners yeah absolutely he's to oscar hernandez is kind of the post-hype franchi cordero a little bit yeah he's he's, he's kind of like he's franchi without the buzz he's franchi without the uh high-end buzz from elite industry minds <laughs> he hit the nail on the head there he was a obvious target of mine i my plan going in because i had so little money left i kept what 229 dollars of salary so i entered the auction with 31 bucks definitely an unfamiliar spot my plan was to get one big leaguer who could help me right away on the hitting side, because I kept eight pitchers, uh, 15 major leaguers total per team kept, and not every team kept up to that many, but uh, you're allowed to. So I wanted one major league ready bat, non-Franchi division. Uh, target Franchi, also try to get Andahar. I ended up getting both, so I was pretty happy with every, how everything went, but uh, the settings issue, like trying to get Kybert Ruiz and uh, Robert it happened to be that they were UT only something with the settings uh, since none of those players played 20 games at the big league level last year they were UT only but thankfully everything got worked out everything went according to plan for the most part I got Jalen Ortiz with my first reserve pick in the later half of the first round ended up getting you know the Jorge Soler's Andrew Tolls types as reserves any reserve guys you got that you particularly liked I really liked getting Devin Travis with my like kind of in the middle of the reserves really I didn't even have to pop him all that early and wasn't really a target but I just because I, I I took Joe Panic ahead of him I I was kind of valuing I like I think I have a, a decent shot of of competing this year and I was kind of valuing just a steady reserve that I could plug in and, and feel good about it and i feel like panic kind of fits that bill whereas travis obviously there's more volatility there but that could turn into a a pretty solid keeper option because we've, we've seen what he can do when he's healthy uh you know in, in this league particularly i'm i feel like you and i are i mean we're competing against each other but i'm also i was also just happy to that you were able to get franchi and that <laughs> you're able to get andahar as well uh you know, you were pushing me on Franchi. I, I pushed. I, I like that. I, I pushed like, you to a level where I was was comfortable. Like totally I, I, fair, and I, I was willing to go that high. I, I, I couldn't let you. I, I wasn't going to let you get a, a guy with 
Franchi's abilities for, <laughs> for any less than, than five or six bucks. So yeah. I was shocked that I was able to also get Andahar because we had talked to Nick Schlein on the XM show just two days before, and he mentioned Andahar, and he couldn't wait to see how high that bidding got. But I got him with my last spot, max bid of four, so I was happy with it. I think my approach just generally was to go after those young guys with high upside. Yeah, I'm going to have to stash them in bench spots, but the there's just not a lot separating the major leaguers who are available for a dollar or two at those positions. There were some good values late, but not at the positions I needed. Uh, not much separating those guys who were available in the auction from those guys that got in the reserves. If you're in this type of a, a keeper league where you're going into an auction or a draft, uh, specifically an auction, with like a o- over half of your roster already accounted for via keepers, and there's like two targets out there, like a Franchi Cordero or Miguel Andahar in this instance, where you want them on your active roster because you you know you're not going to be picking high enough to get them if they last the reserve draft. Like I think Nick Schlein, uh, you know, he might have. I think if we were doing this again, maybe throws out Andahar earlier just so that he has a shot at him, and just so that he kind of knows that he, you know, if he if he goes out of his price range, that's fine. But like he probably got to a spot where he didn't have the active roster spots available. Although this also, I think the Neil Walker signing happened in between us talking to Schlain and the draft. So perhaps he was just a bit lower after the Neil Walker signing. I I, I always get a kick out of just seeing how other owners, like owners that aren't kind of religiously going off of my rankings, just seeing, you know, sort I mean, there were guys that went in the prospect portion that I don't even have ranked in my top 400. There were guys, there were plenty of guys that went that I don't have ranked in my top 200. So I always kind of get a kick of seeing just how certain owners uh, value guys relative to, to how I do, because it's, it's obviously not going to be, I mean, there were some guys that were kind of clearly using my, my rankings as a guide but there were others who were clearly not and i i love i love that i love being in drafts where there's all kinds of differing opinions on on how to value prospects yeah i value your opinion greatly but it is good to differentiate here and there and have other people in the league who are willing to do the same rely on their own evaluations more so than anybody else's i respect that too but with andahar i am glad that i had the discipline to I pat myself on the back again. Uh, but so disciplined. To play chicken. So disciplined. <laughs> no, but to play chicken, because I did think about throwing him out earlier, too, just in that, like, well, if I don't get him, I need to figure mm. out plan B, but uh, it, it ended it, up working out. And even, I, I think it's instructive. I think owners, you need to know who's out there, and even if, like, if I'm an owner and I know Miguel Andahar is out there and if I nominate him for a buck, someone's going to obviously push it to more than a buck. I want to nominate him early in the auction to try to get him bid up to a price. That's not all that useful. Like you want, you want someone buying a guy like Andahar or a guy like Cordero for, yeah, for like a a stupid number where they, they're really unlikely to be worth a keeper at that price. The following year, the last thing you want is for, now you got him for four, but I mean the last thing you want is for a guy like that to just go un without being nominated towards until the end, and then someone gets him for a buck. Yeah, totally, absolutely. I when we were talking about the show and before Neil Walker signed, I really did envision him going for 
12 to 15 because I thought typically every year there's like one guy who gets pushed up a lot more so than most people expect because of a hot spring thought it'd be end hard actually ended up really all the inflation funneling to the pitching side and staff keeper too but we will move on James and talk about your AL West article 82 prospects you need to know again this was from February 27th but we uh, skipped this division to hit a couple more wide-ranging topics in the, the past couple weeks but glad to finally finally get a chance to finish off your divisional rundowns James and uh, the first team in the west that you focused on was f- the Astros and Forrest Whitley still heading the farm there in Houston suspended 50 games for uh, violating the minor league drug policy recreational drug sounds like he was trying to stay up for a road trip which you know, not great, but it's not really a huge mark against him in my eyes. Do you still think Whitley is the top pitching prospect in the game and somebody we'll see quite a bit at the big league level this year? I definitely think he's still the the top pitching prospect in the game. He's the only one where I feel pretty comfortable about him developing into an SP1 as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, as for 2018, I think we see him this year. I I'm not really comfortable putting a confident prediction in when we see him, how many innings we see from him, just because I, I think the Astros have so much depth that, you know, if, if he's only being pretty good and not elite in the minor leagues, they might be comfortable delaying starting his clock if they're getting good contributions from the rest of their pitching staff. But I, I think he'll be ready this summer that suspension really only stretches into towards the back half of May. So he could go out to, to double A or even start the year at triple A if they think he's ready and throw 30, 40 innings and be ready for a promotion in late June or around the all-star break. So I, I, I think we'll hear from him again this season. He probably doesn't need to be drafted in any the, – the two formats where you should be taking him other than obviously dynasty and keeper leagues – are AL only leagues and draft and hold formats. I, I really don't think it's worth rostering him for like three to four months when you're not even guaranteed to get him in those three to four months. I think that's really wise advice because they are just absurdly deep, even in that rotation. So many good arms. I yeah, I got him in in labor, but. I'm really trying to be disciplined in like our, our stake league and not just try to stash and play the waiting game with these types. Yeah, my my prediction for how Whitley kind of unfolds in stake league is that he will be really good when he gets off of his suspension, and I'll uh, I'll overreact and and roster him for a good two to three months before he gets the promotion and then i'll uh, end up buying a couple steaks like i usually do <laughs> well if you get something out of him that'd be more than i got out of brent honeywell last year <laughs> who's on my bench for about four months that's great uh kyle tucker number two in the system i obviously you're really high on him 12 overall in the top 400 i've been watching you know mlb tv and they show that clip from earlier this spring where he had that just ridiculous uppercut bomb Pretty amazing when he gets a hold of one, but the swing definitely unconventional. But do you think he's a guy who could force the issue and maybe cut into the opportunities of a guy like Derek Fisher? Yeah, he's he's on that short list of guys where I just have such a hard time confidently predicting when we see him. 
it, to me, almost more than any of these top prospects, it really depends how productive the guys ahead of him on the depth chart are. You know, if, if Josh Reddick duplicates what he did last year, George Springer stays healthy and Marwin Gonzalez, you know, doesn't fall completely flat on his face, then they have a, a pretty solid outfield rotation there. And, and, you know, if, if one of Fisher and Marisnik prove to be a, a really capable fourth outfielder, then I don't think they really, what, like, what's the point of bringing Tucker up if you're getting that type of production? Because, I mean, last year, Marlon Gonzalez, George Springer, and Josh Reddick were all pretty awesome all season. And there's there would be no reason to call up Tucker in, like, May or June if you have you're getting really quality production from those guys. I mean, this is a team that's going to win probably over a hundred games this year. So it's just, it's hard for me to see an obvious up him being an obvious upgrade for them. And they're not going to, they're not going to call him up if he's not going to be playing every day. Uh, it's hard for me to see him being an obvious upgrade for them until like July, because this is a guy that he was good at double a last year, but he wasn't, he wasn't as good at double a last year as like Cody Bellinger was at double a in, in 2016. He also doesn't have, uh, enough. He doesn't have the same amount of, uh, games under his belt in the upper levels as, as some other guys do that are in this, this class of prospects that we expect to debut in 2018. So I'm kind of expecting Tucker to be up in July or August. Obviously that means I'll have no shares. I know that, uh, Tristan Cockroft at ESPN, who I, think is is great i think he was saying that we'll be hearing from tucker pretty early this season i could see that if if the astros are dealing with injuries or if just guys are really not performing but if everyone kind of performs how i expect them to perform i just don't see any reason for him to be up until july or august yeah very well said uh we're gonna hit the pause button real quick and give you a quick note what's better than fantasy sports the future of fantasy sports the Fantasy Gold Team is bringing you just that. Welcome to DraftDaily.com. It's crypto, it's currency, it's sports. DraftDaily.com is the new standard in the fantasy sports industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transactions, and 0% risk of chargebacks. We are taking the industry by storm, making the game we all love both safer and cheaper to play. We have brought fantasy sports and blockchain technology together to create the ultimate user experience and platform, DraftDaily.com. On DraftDaily.com, our users can play without worry and without fees digging into their profits. DraftDaily.com, introducing cryptocurrencies to the masses. What better way than uh, what better way to do that than to merge crypto with fantasy sports? On DraftDaily.com, you can play with and win cryptocurrency. Secure your place in history. Play on DraftDaily.com today where players and the game they love are the focus. DraftDaily.com. Jordan Alvarez next on the Astros list. Uh, Exciting raw power, but probably be a few years before we see him. He's still at the A level. Freud is Nova, another young kid who's a ways away, but he's an interesting case because I think when we started the rdi draft the rotowire dynasty invitational back uh what the day after christmas he was maybe in the i'd say like 100 120 to 140 range i forget exactly now up to 73 what uh made you bump up nova i think i i, I want to say i had him in like the 115 range uh around then but uh 
you know, there's, it was just kind of a assessment of where the industry is sort of valuing him and also where you need to start thinking about him if you're doing a dynasty draft. And I believe in the guy. I think that he's got a big time blow up potential this year. And so for me to rank him where I had him ranked at the time of the RDI draft, that's just not really giving people a fair opportunity of getting him in their, their dynasty league drafts this off season. He's a guy that, uh, I believe went in the first round of the TDGX, uh, like the reserve round. So like he was kind of going around where guys like Tristan Lutz and, uh, Nate Pearson are going. And so that's where I have him ranked. I love all those guys. I think Nova absolutely belongs in that discussion with some of the top 15 or 20 guys from that signed last year, even though he, he wasn't signed last year, obviously he should be out there in a lot of leagues. So, uh, I just kind of wanted to rank him more in line with where you need to value him. If you want to end up with him, because I, like I said, I do believe in, uh, the raw tools. I think he's definitely a guy with type of upside to finish the year as a, as a top 25 overall guy. Yeah. He's, I mean, your outlook on him really made me interested. I waited a little too long to pull that trigger, but it is good to see him rising up lists. Exciting young guy, probably in the Gulf Coast League this year, but uh, could definitely turn some heads. Gyro Solis, number five in the system, 130 overall. Then J.B. Bukowskis at number six, 217 overall. He's the kind of guy who's kind of got like a scrubs name, but... <laughs> <laughs> you say here that he has frontline starter upside. So, uh, what are we expecting from Bukowskis at the the low A level this year? Uh, I expect him to miss a ton of bats. It it really just comes down to does he develop a quality third pitch, a useful third pitch, and does he throw enough strikes? There's some similarities to a guy like Carson Fulmer, just in terms of his stature. Uh, his slider is one of the best pitches from the entire 2017 class and that's, and he throws in the mid nineties. So that's, that's where the, the frontline starter upside comes from. But I'm, I'm honestly betting on him being developed into a, a five or six out type of reliever. I think that that's a trend we're going to see in the draft coming up where teams are going to take the, the two pitch guy with two nasty pitches over the, you know some of the more uh well-rounded guys that maybe don't have the same sort of electricity because they are realizing like the type of guys we're trying to pay in free agency and the type of guys we're trying to acquire in trades are these just high-end arms that are going to get us out in the postseason and so a guy like Bukowskis probably has a better chance of profiling in that type of role than than some you know okay starter with like number three number four starter upside does so i I think that that's a conscious decision on the part of the astros taking him knowing full well that he might end up in the bullpen yeah i could definitely see that i mean the trend in baseball for a long time now i mean over a decade has been the number of innings from the starting staff steadily declining and i think it's going to fall even more closer to maybe a 50 50 split quite honestly so Having a guy like this that can chew up multiple innings a couple times per week uh, really give you great ratios out of the bullpen. I think these types, these super relievers, are going to be 
the next wave and, and really valuable in fantasy as well. But Joe Perez, Carlos Machado next on the list that's at seven and eight. Uh, but looking down a little bit, you got a guy like Paulo uh, Paulino, David Paulino, and Garrett Stubbs, a couple guys that have fallen significantly, both off the top 400 entirely. What made you with those two guys just throwing the towel? Uh, Paulino, I've never been a fan of, but uh, I had him ranked in the past just kind of because you sort of had to. I mean, he was... He was a guy that a year ago, it was still easy to envision how he would get a shot in that rotation, even though I I think he is a bullpen arm, you know, a guy with his pitches, if he was ever able to stay healthy and and show durability, had at least a chance of of being a starter on a, a pretty good team. But now, I mean, there's even more durability issues. He's like one failed drug test away from basically being done so uh pretty easy to for a guy that i never even really believed in in the first place pretty easy to cut cut ties with him uh in terms of being in the top 400 with Stubbs, he was a guy that i was a little aggressive on last season and you know he, he still showed a pretty solid approach last year uh i believe he dealt with some injuries but just you know, the overall production kind of fell off. Uh, I still think he could be a backup catcher. I still think he'll get to the big leagues, but I don't see him having the type of impact bat or getting enough starts behind the dish to be someone worth hanging on to in most dynasty leagues. Yeah. I think we saw him at 2016 fall league and he looked pretty good, but undersized guy. Uh, and yeah, I just didn't really take that step forward angels shohei otani the top prospect not a surprise we talked last week on your your tiered rankings for 2018 he's in that top tier along with acuna and that tier that you labeled generational talent so we don't really need to talk about him much but jamai jones number two in the system 29 overall what kind of skill set does he bring is he a true like five category type of guy yeah, I think he could be. He the, the big news with him this offseason is that he's started working at second base, which obviously makes a ton of sense if you're familiar with their outfield depth, both at the big league level and in the minors. That was a position of where they just really had a surplus, and his body honestly kind of looks more like that of a second baseman than, than a center fielder. He's a plus runner right now. I think eventually that ticks down. So you might only get five, like true impact in five categories for, for only a couple seasons. Uh, the hit tool, I, I, I'm a, I'm a believer. I think that he's going to hit 270, 280, something like that. He's so strong, uh, so thick. I think the power is is still coming. Like I, th- I know he's shown some power already, but I think he's eventually going to be a 25, 30 homer guy. So a lot to like with Jemai Jones. Nice. And Joe Dell, is he kind of a similar type of player? Because I know he's got plus power, plus speed, as you say here. A little bit younger, but are they pretty similar in terms of what they bring to the table? They're sort of similar. They're, there's more risk with Adele and more upside. He, he's more of kind of your traditional fluid athlete outfield prospect that has just really like he would, you know, if if we were doing a combine or something like that, he would, he would test off the charts. 
really explosive athlete. The power's pretty obvious. The speed's pretty obvious. Coming into the draft, there were huge concerns about the hit tool. That's why he lasted as you know into the you know he 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 had the talent, the raw talent to go in the top two or three, but concerns about the hit tool pushed him down to the angels i think at like 10 or 11 and while he showed pretty impressive uh contact skills in the azl that's not the same as showing those same types of skills against that low a especially high a and double a pitching so I, I still think there's a decent amount of risk with adele i don't want to get carried away in pumping him up uh, as high as some people have him just because I I, I kind of want to see just based on the everything we know about him I, I want to see him hit uh, and and keep the strikeout rate in check against more advanced pitching before really taking a, a full dive in on Adele and that probably means I won't end up with him anywhere and anyone that's going straight off my rankings probably won't end up with him anywhere either but I, I do think there's more risk than than people are probably talking about. And Brandon Marsh, who you have fourth in the systems, another guy that I've been hearing some buzz about, and another guy with power and speed. But what's the hit tool like? I mean, what kind of grade would you put on Brandon Marsh's hit tool? I think it's like a future fifty-five hit tool. Uh, we just don't, unfortunately we just don't have a ton of data on him. He injuries have really limited him since the Angels ended up with him a, a few years ago in the draft. Back and thumb injuries. Uh, so it, it would be great if he could stay healthy all year. I think he's going to start the year at low A. He's one of those guys when people ask, I think someone asked me the other day, like some name a couple guys outside the top 50 that could finish the year inside the top 25. Marsh is definitely on that list. If he can stay healthy all year, I think he could be a, a 2020 guy as a 20 year old in, in full season ball. And I think he could hit around 270 or 280. Nice. And Kevin Maiton was somebody who, of course, released by the Braves after they, the issues with uh, Capolella and that whole disaster there. Ended up going to the Angels, 18 years old. I, I think last year the hype was maybe a little out of control. Remember in Staff Keeper 1, he went ahead of Ronald Acuna. I think you had him flipped. I think you did indeed have Acuna higher, but... Uh, just goes to show you how high people were on my time. Maybe people have cooled a little bit, but still a guy who could be an impact big leaguer. Yeah, he's, I think people just, everyone's talked about his body. Uh, he, he was a big boy last year, uh, you know, 17 year old that just really looked like a guy that was going to get into the two fifties at some point. Uh, I think he's done a, a pretty good job of, kind of getting his weight in check a little bit this offseason but that's still something to watch with him it's it's kind of scary when you when you see the warning signs of a guy getting a little hefty at that age you you know that that's always going to be there you know that that's just part of their genetic makeup is that they're going to be able to put on weight in a hurry if they're not careful so you got to get him in that professional conditioning uh, regiment and try to keep that in check if if they're able to do that he could stick at third base and have monster raw power as a switch hitter i'm i'm less high on the hit tool than i was a year ago understandably i mean it's it's only rookie level performance and he was only 17 but you know people were throwing sevens as on his future hit tool when he signed 
guys that end up being 70 grade hitters typically don't struggle the way he did last year so i think that you kind of got to think of him more as a realistic like 50 50 grade hitter with with that monster raw power so his stock's definitely taking a hit i wouldn't give up on him just yet obviously still have him in the top 100 i i own him in scl2 uh traded for him last season when i was uh rebuilding so i, I still think there's a, a decent chance he ends up being a, a quality option but a lot riskier than he appeared last year nice well big drop off after my time in the system you go from 91 on your top 400 down to 273 and we won't get to a lot of these guys but i do give them some credit for at least adding quite a bit of the talent or getting some some good prospects in this system aside from just otani because i think this time a year ago when we were running through the systems uh they were probably one of the worst in baseball yeah they they definitely have come a long way in a year and and that that's really the the drafting of joe adele the signing of shohei otani uh jemai jones basically doing as well as he possibly could have done last year brandon marsh getting healthy and flashing his tools and i would bet on one of their lower level arms to really pop this year i just i'm not sure which guy it's going to be chris rodriguez jose soriano Stewart aquino uh three guys with with a ton of upside and it's just uh, i'm not sure which one of them is going to pop but yeah they, they've got some intriguing arms in the lower levels to go with those those high-end outfield prospects is matt thice officially done behind the plate it looks like yeah he's i thought you were going to say is he officially done in general <laughs> and i would have entertained that but uh no no, no he's, yeah, he's he's still on the list but barely hanging on but we'll move on to the a's jorge mateo your top ranked prospect here in this system love the speed i know he was recently sent down but uh enjoyed uh, some time with the big league club and camp this this year and i really think especially given his ability to play all around the field if he gets multi-positional eligibility at the big league level along with that speed and a little bit of pop could be really useful yeah i i don't think he's a guy you need to worry about I, i think you should probably take him in 50 round draft and holds and he probably has a spot on AL only teams as well. I but yeah, I mean he might not be up until he might be up as like a September call up. I could see that being when he makes his big league debut. It just kind of depends. I mean he's he's blocked theoretically all over the place, and he hasn't uh, hit at AAA yet. And I think there's a there's a chance he really struggles out of the gates against AAA pitching. So. Uh, not not necessarily a lock that, that we see him this year but yeah tons of tons of potential i mean he he really has the upside to be d gordon with 12 homer pop yeah it's a pretty nice combination of skills number two in the a system aj puck 34 on your overall top 400 and we had melissa lockard of the athletic san francisco bay area on the xm show on saturday and talked to her about puck and she said what i've been hearing on twitter a lot and that's that puck really looking like the best starting pitcher in a's camp and she thinks he's going to be up pretty soon as well i just think you know there's a lot of talk about it you know it'd be nice to see this guy be able to work deeper into games get that lineup turned over a third time but the a's i just don't think have that luxury they don't really have time to spend to to wait until puck's fully developed and I really think he can get by at least, and that's kind of what Melissa said. He could get by at the big league level right now. 
So where where are you at with Puck in terms of redraft right now? I think that just given the fact that it's the A's and that they really need to pinch pennies, I think that they're going to wait till the Super 2 cutoff is passed. So I don't think we see Puck till June. I could be wrong on that if they're if they're willing to I think it you know might end up costing them five or ten million in in arbitration to call them up before June. But if they're willing to eat that, then we could like years down the road and spread out over the course of several years. Right? Yeah. I mean, it it wouldn't necessarily. I mean, if if the front if the current front office thinks they might be gone in in six or seven years, then who cares? But uh, they, you know, I, I don't. Billy Bean has been there forever. I can't imagine him going anywhere else mm-hmm. uh i mean puck you could make an argument that he's their best pitcher in the entire organization today like i, I like sean benaya but it's it's close between those two uh so I, I think there's there's definitely a baseball case for him being up on april 13th or april 14th so i i get it i mean i i saw he go he went inside the top 200 in a recent nfbc draft wow. like there's wow all kinds of people uh people just saw that bob melvin quote where he was like who knows if yeah. he's gonna be up and people people are really kind of running with that i think that's that's too aggressive i'm okay if you want to reach for him like just inside the top 300 or something like that and and you're comfortable with the idea that he might not be up for a month or two but yeah, you don't want to get that aggressive on a pitching prospect. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I've seen, been seeing him this spring, though, and just a tall, lanky guy. That that ball just jumps out of his hand. It gets on top of the hitter in, in a hurry and pretty excited. But, yeah, what? I could see this being a case like in steak where I just <laughs> wait and wait and wait. What, uh, what grade would you put on the hair? <laughs> Probably a seven. 70 see i love that hair i don't know i if you're gonna have the long hair like that for a baseball player i kind of want it to have the randy johnson curl to it yeah that'd be i mean in an ideal world sure (laughs) i guess beggars can't be choosers yeah it's true another guy i'm excited about for this year though dustin fowler third in the system 49 overall he had a slow start to the spring but not really surprised that he needed a while to get his timing back after missing so much of last year. Played in his big league debut and got hurt before even logging a plate appearance. A really tough break. Then traded from the Yankees to the A's in the, the Sonny Gray deal. I am a little concerned that maybe he too doesn't start at the big league level, but how many games do you think Dustin Fowler plays with the A's? Uh, full health permitting or relatively full health permitting i think he gets to you know 140 150 games in the big leagues this year i heard uh interview with susan slusser on the effectively wild podcast today where she said the a's are still hoping that fowler wins the center field job in camp uh because they obviously don't have much behind him and you know that would be that'd be awesome and it's just kind of a matter of can he get enough reps in because he's missed so much time that he's fully ready for opening day and doesn't need a few weeks in the minor leagues just to continue getting that timing down and everything so i think there's still a a chance that if you drafted dustin fowler you'll be able to plug him in for the first week of the season and i think at the 
worst case scenario, he might be down until May, but I, I definitely think they have plans on him being their center fielder for the bulk of the season. That's good to hear. And nice, nice speed there. And at least, you know, even with the struggles at the plate, at least his defense has been strong, according to Julian McWilliams, also of the Athletic. So that at least is good to see. You know, he's cutting, he's covering a lot of ground on that knee, so I'm not, not too worried. Just needs to shake the rust at the plate. Austin Beck, number four. Franklin Barreto, five. We talked a lot about Barreto last week because he was on your, your tiered rookie rankings for 2018. But Jesus Lazardo. 76 and, and sixth in the system somebody that you know i was looking at an scl too he was there pretty late and i mentioned his name and you're like man this guy is really really nasty but what does he need to work on this year at low a uh really just building up his innings it's it's durability is still a question with him just because he hasn't had the opportunity to to log a bunch of innings so if he can just get up to you know 80 90 100 innings this year i think that would be awesome i really don't have any questions about the stuff he could be a really quick mover like he's i think he's going to open the air at low a beloit if you want to go see him there you might have to go in april because I, I really think he could be on the fast track he's got the pitches and the command to move very quickly and he's in the right organization to move quickly so wouldn't surprise me at all if he got up to double a possibly even triple a this season as a 20 year old a uh, quick note fantasy baseball fans spring training is underway and the regular season will be here before you know it and with baseball season comes Fanduel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball no matter what you're looking for Fanduel, the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind something for everyone tons of different contests and formats to choose from starting at just 25 cents Pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. James, I'm looking forward to losing a lot of money once again. It seems like every year this time I'm like, yeah, I'm going to play daily a lot. And I need to work on sustaining success and then discipline. I'm not discipline when it comes to daily. Play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription, which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on Fanduel. Visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. James and SKL2 ended up getting another share of Sheldon Noisy, who we saw in the Fall League last year. He, yeah, look, I, I kind of like him. I got him in RDI too. Just like the the, the hit tool that I saw, with my own two eyes. Probably putting too much stock into that. But is he kind of like a, another version of Willie Calhoun in this same division? Like a guy who can hit, but there's just always going to be playing time concerns because of the defense. A uh, little bit. I, I think that he he's there's pro, there's more swing and miss in Noisy's game than there is in in Calhoun's game, but. Uh, similar in the sense that their position is just hitter like they're not he's not gonna he's not gonna really provide a ton of value in the field i think that he really if you look at the way that this like young a's core is kind of coming together i think he just profiles perfectly as just a, a dh for them because they have matt chapman 
giving them gold glove caliber defense at third base and noisy can kind of help uh, compensate for chapman's offensive deficiencies with uh some pretty loud loud tools at the plate so uh and chris davis isn't going to be there for much longer right he's got to be yeah i mean he's way out pretty soon yeah and he you know i I he can still play i mean noisy and chris davis can still play the field Mm -hmm. when when they need to and and stuff like that but uh yeah i just i think that that's they've got a really nice young core both on the the position player side and the the hitting side number eight lazarito lazaro armenteros somebody that since he signed i haven't really heard much about but what did you think of the progress last year i mean was there substantial progress for this kid yeah i was pleasantly surprised by how he handled azl pitching uh he struck out uh, i think in like a quarter of his plate appearances but hit hit for power uh i think batting average and strikeouts are always going to be something to keep in mind with him but i mean he showed that the tools are definitely legit and you know he's not quite in that class of guys like joe adele and helio ramos for me in terms of outfielders that just lit up the azl last year but he's he's definitely in that next group james caprillian's a guy a little bit lower on the list 11th we talked about with melissa on the show sounds like he's slowly building up strength after tommy john surgery continuing to throw on the side continue to track his progress anybody else in this a system that you want to mention before we move on nah okay well we won't be spending much time on this next team either because <laughs> it is the seattle mariners who we've talked about and i think you have said that this is the worst farm system in baseball now uh is that is that right oh yeah okay just wanted to confirm easy easy okay i yikes <laughs> i mean i know the thing with with nelson cruz sounds like that's turning out to be not all that serious maybe he still has a chance for opening day but kind of an ominous bad omen for that team i think this year they're gonna win like 78 games i bet yeah <laughs> i'm just worried that like guys like cruz and cano are gonna show their age and then they'll maybe paxton gets hurt and then they're really sol but evan white number one in the system outside of the top 100 but just barely 107 he suddenly seemed to get jumped up a little bit or maybe he fell i forget exactly but i moved him down a little bit okay. i i i think i had him in like the 70s and i'm talking I'm, about in staff too but yeah oh oh uh yeah i you know i i had him in like the 70s i think towards the end of last season and i kept the nice thing about doing all these sort of industry like prospect mock drafts and like dynasty drafts and stuff like that is you really you know you test out your rankings and you see if you actually believe in them when you're on the clock and when you're forced to make decisions and i just kept finding that i would pass over white and take a player i had behind him so i had to keep moving him down uh just because i'm not i'm not that into the upside and that and part of that is he's just such a a weird player that you just you rarely see a guy like this where he you know he he's kind of got Nick Senzel's skill set a little bit at but at first base and without the same type of hit tool so it's just it's hard to know what to do with that a first baseman that could possibly steal 20 bases and maybe hit like 15 to 20 home runs and 
I don't know what he's going to hit in terms of batting average. It's just a funky profile that I'm just not, I don't have a really good grasp on. He, his injury, an injury cut short is his debut season. So, uh, a guy that I'm fine missing out on and a guy that is just outside the top 100. Yeah. And Kyle Lewis, not too far behind him. Looked pretty good. I thought until the, the ACL reconstruction, what do you think about Lewis and his ability to, to bounce back fully from that injury? Uh, well, I, I was kind of getting aboard the bounce back train and then he had a scope on his right knee in February and hmm. seems like it could be more of the same with him, which really sucks. I mean, he seems like a, a great kid in the, the interviews I've seen of him and he had, he has a ton of upside. He still has like cleanup hitter upside, but, man he needs to get healthy and and fast because he really he's going to be 22 on opening day and doesn't have any real success to point to in full season ball julio rodriguez Braden bishop and sam carlson rounding out the top five in the system then mike ford and dan vogelbach back to back you have ford actually on site inside your top 400 barely uh 354 we know that ryan healy questionable for the start of the year so do you think they keep forward or rule five pick and then give him the job to start uh <laughs> man who knows i i think probably i do like that he's walked more than he's struck out yeah. every stop over the past two years. yeah i mean it's the yankees could have protected him and opted to i mean there there were players that they protected over him that are probably seen as lesser names uh that's never a great sign especially considering he's basically big league ready and they're probably the position player with the most questions surrounding him is greg bird so uh not a great sign that they weren't willing to protect him i i don't see him hitting for the type of power you want out of your first baseman uh but you know i think it's quite possible the mariners like him more than dan vogelbach just based on the fact that they took him in the rule five draft and based on their unwillingness to give dan vogelbach playing time really and so sad fall for swaggy v vogelbach's had a good spring so man i i really just can't see them letting vogelbach play first base i think that if nelson cruz were to like open the air in the on the dl or something like that and they could get vogelbach at bats at dh then i think that they would probably do that but if they need a guy to play in the field at first base i think they would probably take forward over vogelbach in that situation nice we'll move on to the rangers and willie calhoun is the top prospect there we listened we listened we talked about him at the start of the program leo Tavares, number two in the system 33 overall still 19 years old and i mean you say here that he's a legitimate dynasty building block but why do you have him below some of those other guys like a taylor trammell with a similar skill set uh, why do you have him lower than those types? He just hasn't quite performed at that level yet. And so, uh, you know, the fact that Taylor Trammell did what he did gives us more confidence that that's the player he's going to be when he gets to the big leagues. With Tavares, there's still a decent amount of projection involved with the rating. Like, you're, you're, you're banking on what you haven't necessarily seen yet. Whereas with Taylor Trammell, we have already seen it and it's just kind of a matter of when's he going to get to the big leagues. Is he going to, you know, we, we assume he's still going to be able to hit against upper level pitching. 
Uh, Tavares, I, you know, I would put him probably in my top five in terms of 19 year olds and how they look in a uniform. Like he just really, really looks the part. I love the way that his body kind of projects. Like he doesn't, he doesn't project like a guy that's going to slow down anytime soon. Like I, I could see him keeping plus speed into like his late twenties, maybe even early thirties. He just really has that, that type of look to him. So it's going to be all about what's he do with the bat. And, you know, I think that the defense has a chance to be plus in center field. So it's just kind of going to come down to how much he hits. And I, I think that he is going to end up hitting and end up being a, a guy that maybe leads off or maybe even hits like second in a big league lineup at some point. Yeah. sounds like a guy that if you know, you're not competing and in the dynasty league in the, this year or next year, it sounds like a perfect kind of target because if he does show that ability to hit, I mean, he could, Devolved into the top ten or so. Uh, oh yes, yeah. like in a couple months. Chris Cease is it Cease? I think so. Okay. Who cares? I'm trying to get these right, but <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much you can do with these young guys who don't have their pronunciation listed on Baseball Reference quite yet. But uh, I know in your outlook, and then again here, you say that he was viewed as a glove first shortstop coming into the draft. But what did he do to kind of sell you on his offensive game? He is he's got some pretty loud power and there was some of that in the scouting the pre-draft scouting report but I, there were I don't think a lot of people thought he was going to necessarily hit a ton because if they had he would have gone earlier in the draft and he also has above average speed he moves pretty well he's he's pretty athletic so a guy that a guy that could definitely jump up this list especially if he shows well in his assignment to low a hickory uh, and a guy that really that there's not a ton of hype behind because he he really hit in the AZL and then uh believe he was moved up to maybe a short season league and kind of struggled a little bit so the numbers don't look quite as clean on paper as they they would have if he just stayed in the AZL the whole time but he's a guy that I I, I prefer him to a guy like Logan Warmoth with the the Blue Jays just because I think there's more tools and Warmoth might hit a little bit uh, or maybe he's a safer bet to hit for a, a decent average but if Cease hits then there's 2020 potential at shortstop and there was like one or two guys that did that at shortstop last year so it's it's it could be a pretty special set of power and speed at that position Nice. And last guy I want to talk to you about specifically, unless you want to mention some other guys here at the end, but Hans Kraus hung around longer in staff two than I expected, ended up grabbing him. You slapped the number one starter upside on on this guy. There's a lot of risk, just 19 years old, but he's somebody that I've seen higher on other lists, and uh, I could see him making a similar jump up yours in time, but what does he need to do in order to do that? He's got to develop a third pitch, and he has to locate against advanced hitters. Uh, some people think that he's likely ticketed to be a big league closer, but I think the Rangers are going to really slow cook him if they need to, just to really give him every chance to develop as a starting pitcher because of that that front line upside. Really electric fastball, uh, electric breaking ball. So. Not, I mean, great guy to target towards the end of your dynasty league dress. Does he have anything in the in the making? Any third pitch that he's working uh, on or showing I, some sort of promise? I'm sure he's working on it. Uh, he didn't need it last year. I mean, he he's 
that's the tough thing is like you can especially when you're only going out for two and three inning outings as like a 18 or 19 year old pitcher and you don't need to turn a lineup over more than once or, or maybe one and a half times uh you can just put up crazy numbers on on two good pitches and that's what he did so uh he, he probably won't even need a third pitch until he gets to double a but uh still gonna need it if he's gonna stay out of the bullpen yeah ronald guzman a guy who's on the 40-man roster but i love the the first base prospect rule that you point out here uh first base prospects needs to rake at every level or else they're not really a prospect and guzman unfortunately just hasn't raked at the upper levels just a 136 iso at AAA. but aside from him anybody else you want to mention before we let you go yeah two of my favorite two of my favorite sleepers are in this system uh joe palumbo who i thought was was on his way to establishing himself as a no doubt top 100 guy before needing tommy john surgery last year uh lefty but he's a bit older so he really is going to need to bounce back from that surgery uh quickly in, in order to uh stick as a starter and then tyreek reed is a behemoth of a first base slash dh prospect i think he was a juco guy i want to say and the the rangers took him he's still just 20 i wouldn't be surprised if he hit like 30 homers this year in his first year in a full season league he's got monster raw power and that first base prospect rule so far he's lived up to his end of the bargain but we'll see how he does against full season pitching but a couple guys to keep an eye on that could really improve their stock this season awesome well james great stuff we appreciate all the insight as always a reminder to you guys to check out the roadwire fantasy baseball draft kit app for ios iphone and ipad the number one ipad app sports app paid uh, as of this weekend so definitely get that if you've got a draft coming up soon and we'll talk to you guys next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.